All right, let's open to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. And please do keep your Bibles handy tonight. We will see lots of Scripture. Amen. Praise God. That's good. Isaiah 58, and we'll start at verse number 3. We're continuing the series of the basics for biblical body care. We're talking about what the Bible has to say for your, for your health, uh, for your physical health. And we talked about diet, we talked about exercise, we talked about stress last week and gave you some ideas on how to manage that. And tonight we're going to talk about prayer and fasting. And believe me, when we talk about prayer and fasting, there's no way that I can divorce this from the spiritual, right? I, I want to give you the physical aspect and how prayer and fasting can help. And you're going to see in the scripture where it is a fact that those two things can help. But uh, as you pray and fast, uh, it's obviously a spiritual exercise. So I'm not going to attempt to only make this about your physical body. We are also going to deal with your soul, with your spirit. Isaiah 58 and verse 3, the Bible says, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. So the people of Israel are fasting. And, and, and praying, that goes along with it. God is not answering their prayers. They don't see anything happening. And now they're asking, what are, what are we fasting for? What, what are we doing wrong? Why did we even try it in the first place? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, here's God's answer, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. In other words, they were fasting, but it was all selfish. They were doing it for selfish reasons, not for spiritual reasons to draw nigh to God and to see victory in their spiritual lives. In verse 4, you'll get, see a little more of this. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. So they were going on the equivalent of a hunger strike, just to prove their point. They wanted God to vindicate them. And it really wasn't about giving God any sort of glory. They just wanted God to move on their behalf and beat their enemies and so forth. He says at the end of verse 4, Ye shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. So this tells me something about fasting. It is a way, it is a way to draw nigh to God it is a way to get a prayer answered, but you have to do it right. It shows God just how serious you are about that spiritual endeavor, that spiritual exercise. But you have to do it right. Now, the idea of fasting, guys, is not limited to the Bible. Lots of people fast. It's not just a Christian thing, not just a Jewish thing. Fasting is any time you go without food where you would normally have it. Okay, I, I have generally... Uh, practiced fasting where you go an entire day, a 24-hour period without it. But technically speaking, if you just skip a meal, that is fasting, okay? Some of you skip meals all the time, right? You skip breakfast, or what we would normally call breakfast. Which, do you hear it in there? Break fast, break the fast because you haven't eaten all night. So you get up and you break the overnight fast. But some of you skip breakfast because you got up too late and now you're rushing off to work or school and it has nothing to do with your spiritual life. Some of you skip lunch because you're too busy and uh, life is just, 
throwing you too much to do and you skip lunch for that reason. So you can see people fast for non-spiritual reasons all the time. That's not going to make you spiritual. Uh, Most of the time when people fast, they give up food, of course. Uh, Generally, people only drink water during a fast. But, But you won't find a verse in the Bible that explains that's how to do it. I have known people, and even I myself, I, I would drink juice. There are occasions when I would do that. I would have a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like one preacher said, I need a good cup of the Holy Ghost, right, to get, to get myself going. Um, I, I, I wouldn't consider that cheating or supplementing. Or, now, if guys, if you drink milkshakes and protein shakes, that, that you know, that, that, that I'm, maybe that's pushing the boundaries. But the point is, you're denying the body what it would normally have so you can pay attention to spiritual things, right? At the, at the basis of it, that's what it is. Now, verse 5, he's going to tell us more about a proper fast, beyond just the food part of it. He says, is it such a fast that I have chosen? God's question. A day for a man to afflict his soul? That is, you're not giving yourself what you want. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush? And to spread sackcloth and ashes under him, wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? So the Israelites were rubbing ashes on their face, putting on burlap, like a potato sack, sackcloth, and walking around. Now in in Malawi, they've mastered this. Whenever they want to look as if they're sad, they actually have a Chewa word for it. They walk around and, and they do this, they hold the hand on the elbow and they say, Mama pay, Mama pay, Mama pay. And they'll just walk around the village, Mama pay. What? And if you go to them, Eh, Bwana Mulebwanji, how are you? They say, Ah, Dilibuino, Mama pay. And they just keep right on going. It's the strangest thing you've ever seen. And God's saying, Listen, I'm not impressed with your outward show. You understand? I'm not impressed with how sad you look and how sad you sound. The fact that you're skipping a meal, as I mentioned before, lots of people can do that for various reasons. So even though that's part of the fast, that's not the important part. Verse 6, is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke, now he's addressing why they're fasting. It's not just that they're giving up food and and making life difficult for themselves that particular day. Why are you fasting? Are you doing this to get spiritual victory over some sin? Are you fasting so that some other person that you know, so that they can draw closer to God, or maybe they have some challenge that they're struggling with, and you're fasting and praying and really want that prayer to get through so that that person can get help. God said, that's the kind of fast that I'll be impressed with when your heart is so touched that you cannot eat because you're so burdened for someone else. That's an acceptable fast to the Lord. Verse 7 Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? He says, guys, when you fast, it's not about crawling off into a cave and abusing yourself. What it's about is helping others. So the food that you would normally eat, how about you take and give that to somebody else that day? 
the nice clothes that you might put on rather than putting the sackcloth on yourself. How about you, and, and putting on that outward show, take those nice clothes that you have and, and give a nice set of clothes to someone else who's lacking it. God said, that's an acceptable fast. I'd be impressed with that. Now, I've had to set the stage a little bit just so that you know when I say fasting, this is what I'm referring to. Are, are we on the same page there? When I talk about fasting from here on out, it's not just don't eat food. There's more to it. If you want to do it right, that's how you do it. Verse 8, here's the promise uh, that you can expect if you fast properly. Here's what you get. Verse 8 says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health, thine health shall spring forth speedily. Now you'll get light. What is that? Maybe you're seeking an answer to something. You need some knowledge, some wisdom on a particular issue. You fast and pray. God said the light will spring forth. Then he talks about your health. Thine health shall spring forth speedily. Now I don't doubt that spiritual health is involved in that. But you're going to see in a moment it is not just spiritual health. It can also be a blessing to you physically. It stands so right there in the Bible. He says at the end of verse 8, And thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy rear reward. That is, it'll come behind thee. So God, it's not that God's going to lift you up and exalt you, but your righteous cause, the reason you're doing that is going to spring forth, and God is going to, I'm not going to, please don't get confused by this word, he will prosper your way. Not that he makes you rich and, and, uh, and all your dreams come true. What it is, is those prayers that you're praying for other people, that stuff starts to get answered. So verse 9, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, that is making life difficult for others, the putting forth of the finger. Now, that's not like you're angry in traffic and you flip them the bird. That's not that. The putting forth of the finger is when you point at everybody else and say, you're the problem. You're the problem. It's your fault. It's your fault. When a man truly fasts, what he'll do is he'll take some time to examine his own heart, his own life, and say, God, what is it that I can do to change me to help others? He says at the end, and you'll have to remove the speaking vanity talking useless things. In verse 10, And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. Verse 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually. How many of you would like to have that happening in your life? Were you here this morning? We talked about it in Isaiah 30, how the Lord will... Put the necessary people in your life to guide you, to give you advice. And the Lord himself will tell you, this is the way, walk ye in it to the right hand or to the left. Would, would you like that? Well, here it stands on how to get that. So let me ask you, when's the last time you fasted? Have you ever fasted? Have you ever desired God so much that you lost your appetite for food? Because you were hungering and thirsting after righteousness and all of a sudden, that natural physical food just wasn't as interesting. In verse 11, it says, The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. 
I think there's a lot of Christians that suffer from a dry soul. They're just dry and dead inside. And that's why when the smallest of problems come, they crack, they crumble. Because they're just dry. They come to church, they sing these songs, meet me there, sweet hour of prayer, and nothing stirs. Why? Your soul is dry. You might be well satiated when it comes to the physical food, well nourished. What about your soul? The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. What's that? Physical benefit. And we'll talk about bone marrow and the fatness of your bones in another lesson a little bit more. I'll just tell you now that the bone marrow produces the red blood cells that produces healthy function in the body. That's a, that's a physical blessing that you get by fasting properly. So there's a physical benefit to it along with, of course, the spiritual blessing. He says at the end of verse 11, And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not well watered you know what that is healthy you don't water the garden everything dies it crumbles it, it it turns to dust it's ugly it's hard but this this guy well watered physically and spiritually uh, if you would I, let me just give me a moment to give you some of the physical sides to it and we're going to return to a few of the spiritual thoughts as well uh, here are some health benefits that come along with fasting now, I asked you earlier if you've ever fasted, if you've tried it. Maybe you've tried it, but you didn't want to. <laughs> maybe you fasted because you were too busy, or maybe you couldn't afford food, or whatever it was. But here are some health benefits to it. Now, some of you, the, the idea of fasting just makes no sense, right? Give me this day my daily bread. <laughs> you want me to go without food on purpose? How much sense does that make? Well, if you acknowledge that you're more than just a body, if you acknowledge the tripart nature of man, that you're a body, a soul, and a spirit, listen, two-thirds of you is not physical. You ever thought about that? Now, how, how much physical food do we take compared to spiritual food? We're, our physical's in the minority, but man, do we, do we nourish that? And now, we, now I'm suggesting don't eat for a while. And here's why. Here's some physical benefits. It allows your digestive system to rest. Now for those of you that have actually fasted before, you know how true that is. It's amazing when you give your stomach a break. Imagine you guys that go to the gym. Have you ever done this? I did this when I was younger, when I was 16, 17. I didn't know much about it, so I go to the gym. I wanted massive arms and a big, you know, a pectoral and big guy. So I go in every day, every day, bench press, every day, bicep curls. Did you know that that doesn't work if you do it every day? You have to let that muscle rest, right? Yes, I mean, some of you, come on, you gym rats. You know what I'm talking about. You can get in there. You, you do that seven days a week, it'll wear you out. You know what you're doing to your stomach every day? Food in, food in. It never rests. Every now and then to give your digestive system a chance to rest, it'll be kind of an unexpected blessing, I think, for it. Number two, it can allow for cleansing and detoxification of the body. Just letting the water flow through flushes all the bad stuff out. Number three, it creates a break in eating patterns while shining a spotlight on bad eating patterns. While you're fasting, 
throughout the day, you'll find yourself craving particular foods and all of a sudden it will shine brightly. Wow, every day I eat four pieces of cake. I didn't realize it because I'd gotten so used to it. I have got to stop. You know, when I get to the sixth choppy, that's enough. <laughs> some, some of you don't realize just how much you eat. Amen. You know, I, I've, I've started, I've practiced what I've been preaching to you guys. That, that lesson I gave you on diet, don't eat too little, don't eat too much. I, I, I remember that. We went through not being full, don't eat till you're full. I've practiced that the last three or four weeks. I, you know, since I started drinking more water, I felt a lot better. But now that I've put that biblical idea of moderation into practice, I haven't felt this good since I was 20. Man, I got energy to spare. Amen. Some of you need to try it. Uh, another thing fasting can do. It can promote greater mental clarity. I've seen this to be true. My mind fires on all cylinders a lot faster, a lot clearer when I'm not eating. Number five. Now, now listen, guys. You, you need to eat sometimes, right? Like, can I say that? You, you can't fast like 28 out of the 30 days of the month. You do need to eat, but an occasional fast will help here. Number five, it leads to a feeling of physical lightness, which increases energy levels. I don't know what it is, but every time I have fasted, I have noticed that. The first few hours, I feel like I'm going to die. Especially, you know, that first meal that you skip. The body's expecting it, it's used to it, and you skip it. And the flesh is crying out, hey, man, what's, you know, alarm. <laughs> uh, you know, it, something's going wrong. All these air messages start popping up, you know, in your mind. Go find the food. But once you get past that, I know the, day, the day after I fast, I wake up, man, I am ready to go. I don't even need coffee the next day. Coffee would do damage because I just run right out of my shoes. <laughs> and the next night, I generally have trouble sleeping because I'm so... I got so much energy. It's incredible how that works. And then number six, it promotes, and now this, I didn't write this list, okay? I borrowed this list from a health website. So here's what they learned through medical studies. It promotes an inner stillness that enhances spiritual connection. Now they study, they, they watched these subjects, these test subjects, not eating, and said they were they increase their ability to tap into the spiritual. That's what they learn from the test subjects. I find that incredibly interesting. Here are some proven, science proved this, some diseases, some uh, just health problems that can be uh, assisted or aided by fasting. Long list, listen quickly. Acne, adult onset diabetes, allergies, anxiety, arthritis, asthma, arthrosclerosis, autoimmune illnesses, benign tumors, chronic back and joint pain, chronic fatigue, colitis, deterioration of the musculoskeletal system, digestive disorders, eczema, hay fever, headaches, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, hyperactivity, hypo hypoglycemia, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, Crohn's disease, insomnia, Irritable bowel syndrome, lupus, migraines, obesity. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> Osteoporosis, PMS, psoriasis, recurrent infections, rheumatoid arthritis, sinusitis, skin irritations and disorders, substance abuse, addiction, tension, 
uh, uterine fibroids and weight loss. Again, a no-brainer. Guys, that's a pretty long list of things that fasting can help with just physically. Not to mention the great spiritual benefit. Can I show you a few more verses? Get Mark chapter 2 if you would. Mark chapter 2. Now, fasting is not talked about a lot in the New Testament, but it is mentioned, okay? It's not that it is ignored, it's just not emphasized, but it is there. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, in verse number 5, he's speaking about married couples. He says, Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to prayer and fasting. So Paul says, the married couples should be coming together frequently unless they're taking some special time to draw nigh unto God. Then you wouldn't be drawing nigh to each other. So the, the physical intimacy in a marriage, you put that on hold so you can find some spiritual intimacy with the Lord. And Paul says you do that by prayer and fasting. So it is mentioned. It's almost as if Paul takes for granted that you're going to do it. He doesn't even waste ink on the paper to say you need to do it. It's just a given if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, skipping a meal here and there to seek his face, not a problem. Mark chapter 2, Jesus said this in verse number 20. Is it 20? Let's read 19 with it. Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. They, people had just asked Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? And now he's answering. The bridegroom is with them. Now, we all know who the bridegroom is, yes? Bridegroom is Jesus. And he was right there with the disciples. He said, as long as we're together, no need to fast. Why? If they want to seek his face, it's right there. <laughs> right? But look what he says in verse 20. But the days will come. When the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Jesus did go away, right? Acts chapter 1. He ascended back to heaven. So therefore, we have a clear command from Jesus here that in those days when he is not physically present, we should take on fasting. I got a message this week from Ashbad Muntali. Agrippa was mentioning him now. He's one of our pastors in Malawi. He just wanted to say Happy New Year and let us know that he's praying for us. And then he said, if you would, please help, help us with your prayers. He, they came together on the first day of the year, church-wide prayer meeting. They had a feast together. And then for the next 21 days, they are fasting together as a church. That put me under conviction. I, it doesn't, I'm not saying it has to put you under conviction. But that's not a bad idea. To get together as a church, pray a little bit more, seek God a little bit more, put the food aside. I think we could use that individually. I think we could use that as a nation. And I'm sure we would benefit as a church to unite in that. 
Now listen, if you've never fasted before, I don't recommend going on for a 21-day fast right out the gate. <laughs> you might die. <laughs> I would recommend building up to that. Fast for a day, eat for a week. Fast two days, eat for a week. And then build up, build up. But I would greatly recommend trying it. I'm very anxious to see what God's going to do in that ministry there now. I'm anxious to see what he'll do with us if we were to take it on. What kind of doors he might open. How we might get to see him, see him move. Look at Matthew chapter 6 if you would please. Matthew 6 and verse number 16. Matthew 6 and verse 16. He says here, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. What were they seeking? They just wanted people to see that they were doing it. Well, they accomplished that by disfiguring their face. Do you see how this is linked to Isaiah 58? Did, did, did you guys see the connection there? In verse 17, but thou, when thou fastest, you notice he didn't say if, he said when, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. Now, I'm not going to teach an entire lesson on good hygiene so allow me to slip it in while we're talking about the basics for biblical body care. Wash your face. <laughs> Amen. You need, some people need to hear that. Amen. <laughs> I see some. <laughs> we'll just move on. Wash your face. Anoint your head. What's that? Fix your hair. Don't be a slob. <laughs> Don't just roll out of bed and go through the day. I, I, I'm not going to get into a long spiel on this, but there is something to be said for look good, feel good. I am not promoting vanity. Do you understand that? I'm not promoting vanity. Nor do I want you to think that being a slob is somehow a good thing. Does everybody know what I mean by a slob? Where you're just completely undone. It, you, we can see that you don't take care of yourself. We're not impressed. So well, I'm so spiritual, I don't have time to do those, those fleshly things like comb my hair and brush my teeth. All right, you bald-headed, toothless weirdo. <laughs> I want to see how, how many people you're going to be able to reach with that. <laughs> be like me. I'm a Christian. <laughs> you freak. Wash your face. <laughs> Fix your hair. Tuck your shirt in every now and then. Amen. Wear matching socks. <laughs> Look as if you meant to get up and go to work that day. Like you meant to do something that day. Anyway, that's enough preaching on that. But. When thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. So good hygiene is there, but he's also saying that the point of it is you don't want to do this just so that other people look at you and go, oh wow, you must be fasting today. He says in verse 18, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, from this, some people think it is a sin, and I mean that, a sin 
to mention to someone else that they're fasting. I mean, they hide that secret uh, with, with all their might. Guys, if somebody comes, you know, you're fasting on that day and somebody comes and says, hey, I bought you some lunch. You don't have to lie to them and make up some excuse for why you don't want to take that food. You can just pull them aside quietly and say, God, I'm so, I really appreciate that. You know, I'll take the food and pass it on. Today of all days, I'm fasting, so I'm, I'm not going to eat it today. You can, you can whisper that in their ear, all right? That doesn't change the motive of your heart. So you understand the gist of what Jesus is saying here? He's talking about your motive and why you're doing it. Why you're doing it. So I, I've said this, all right? I, I wanted to give you some, some verses on fasting. I hope that you do try it at some point. Uh, fasting goes right along with prayer, so I'm just going to move right into that portion of this lesson because it does go together. Come to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Now, once again, when we talk about praying, there's all sorts of spiritual benefits, but physically, you can be benefited. I'm sure all of you have seen this meme at some point. Seven days without prayer makes one week. It, it's it's kind of dorky, right? But it's true. Seven days equals one week. You guys get it, right? Seven days make one week. It makes you, you know, physically weak. S seven days without prayer makes one week. Well, I, I had to pass that on, right? I, Amen. Verse 15. Now, in James chapter 5, of course, I think most of you are familiar with the context. He's, he's writing about sick people and how they can call for the elders of the church. And in verse 15, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. So, one way that praying can benefit your health is, well, you might just get physically healed. <laughs> you can ask God for the miracle, and God can perform the miracle. I do not want to leave that out of this lesson that is certainly a reality of prayer. God can do the miraculous. I've seen him do it on a number of occasions. However, let's be fair about this. I've also seen a number of times where I've prayed for the miracle in my own life and other people's as well and didn't see the miracle happen. So please do not take James chapter 5 as a promise that if you pray with enough faith, God will always heal you. That is not what James is saying here. Not at all. If you, and you can see that at the end of the verse. Look at, at the end of verse 15. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. That person that called for the elders, he might be sick because he has some sin in his life that he hasn't stopped doing, he hasn't confessed it, and now God's punishing him because of that sin. That's why he called for the elders of the church. He had this chronic sickness that won't go away. He's taken the medicine, he changed his diet, and he's still sick. So now he's calling for the elders. Hey guys, tell me, is there something I'm doing that is offensive to God? Maybe I'm being punished, and there's a spiritual cause to my physical illness. And that's why the next verse, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So the elders of the church, they hear your story. You confess your faults to them and they say, yeah, if, if that's what you've been busy doing, that's probably why you're sick. Stop doing that and maybe you get better. And those sins can be forgiven. See, and he gets over it that way. So James acknowledges that not every, every time you pray do you get healed. Sometimes you have to take some other steps. You're going to find other verses in the Bible where you need to go see a doctor. 
You know what Jesus said? They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. The sick people need a doctor, Jesus said. So it's not wrong to go to a doctor and take medicine. By all means, you can pray and see the miracle, but not every time is that going to happen. That being said, when you pray, there is going to be a physical benefit to that. I want to explain that a little bit deeper. Now come to John chapter 18. John 18. John 18 and verse number 2. I do not want you to think that every time you pray, you're going to walk out of your prayer closet physically feeling better. Okay, that's not always going to be the case. I know that's true because Jesus proved that. He went into the Garden of Gethsemane and the Bible says he was in great agony. Yes, he was sweating as it were drops of blood. So physically, it was painful. There are some times when you pray and your heart breaks so much and it gets difficult to breathe. You're under so much pressure. When you're going through stuff, sometimes prayer, it's not that it's a burden, but the Bible says you will have to labor in prayer. So sometimes it can be physically taxing. I want you to know that. But not always. Not always. Those are extreme situations. Would you agree with me that the Garden of Gethsemane is an extreme situation? Right? That's quite extreme. So not every time is going to be like that. The prayer that I'd like to address now is this daily, I want to call it a routine, but that may not be the right word, this daily time that you set aside to be with God. Can we call it this, just for the night? Your quiet time. Your quiet time where you just get alone with God. There is obviously something spiritual to that, but physically, it's going to help you. Let me show you this. John 18, verse 2. This is the Garden of Gethsemane, by the way. It says in verse 2, And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus, oft times, so he did this often, oft times resorted thither with his disciples, this is something Jesus did often. He took his disciples. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was one of their little prayer spots. This was a prayer, one of Jesus' prayer closets. Jesus had another prayer closet on top of a mountain. You read two or three times in the Gospels where he went up into a mountain to pray. The prayer closet is anywhere you can go to be alone and just hear from God. Now, the Bible says in verse 2, I love the way this is worded. He oft times resorted thither. He resorted there. You know, when we go on a vacation, sometimes it's nice to go to a resort. You go to a resort to get some rest and relaxation. And I, I dug into that word resort. It comes from a Greek word, kryptos, which is where we get the word crypt. It's a word that means to hide away. The word resort itself can mean to go or to repair. I find it interesting that Jesus oft times took his disciples to this place to go there and to get repaired. Come apart for a while. Your life is too busy. You need to take a break. You need to find a nice, quiet spot where all the noise of the world gets canceled out and you can just concentrate 
on the Lord for a while. It's going to help you to be in the presence of the supreme being of the universe who actually cares about you. Now let me explain this from a medical point of view. How many of you know what this is? Maybe you've seen it on YouTube, TED Talks. Have you guys ever watched any of those TED Talks? Some of those are kind of interesting. Not all of them are great, but some of those are interesting. I watched one the other day about a Harvard study that they have been doing. To my knowledge, it's the longest human study that they've ever done. This study has been going on for 75 years. They tracked the lives of 724 men spanning back to the 1930s and 40s, right? 75 years ago, they started the study. The man who's giving the speech, he, was, he is now the third director of this Harvard study. The study killed off a couple other guys. <laughs> and now he's the third guy watching over the study. Every year they send questionnaires to these 724 men and ask them how their life is progressing. They're just studying life. They want to know what made it healthy, what made it happy, how did you handle certain things. Listen, these guys that they studied fought in World War II, some of them. Some of them went on to be factory workers, bricklayers, more manual labor. Some of them doctors and lawyers. One of the people in the study became the president of the United States. Here's the point of this man's TED talk, that speech he was giving. He said the unanimous discovery of all 724 men. Now they all had ups and downs and some had highs and lows in their life. But they said this one thing was true of all of them. Good relationships kept them healthier and happier. They said that's the one common thing they found in all of them. Good relationships kept them healthy and happy. Even though they might have been going through hard times, financially, there's a war going on, whatever it is, if they had good relationships around them, healthier and happier. You say, what's the point? Well, we can learn something from that, just good relationships amongst us, yes? It's good to have family around that loves you. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says in the book of Psalms that when the brethren dwell together in unity... It's like an anointing. It's something fresh. It's blessing. It's vibrant. It's great to have family. It's great to have spiritual family. Great to have friends that actually care about you. There's something about having people in your life and them expressing how much they love you. That is, that is healthy. You need that. The flip side of the coin that this Harvard study pointed out, all the people that ended up lonely, they ended up sicker. They didn't deal with the stress of life as good as the others that had strong relationships. You say, Brother Mike, what's the point? You're kind of getting off subject. No, not really. The strongest and most important relationship you need to have is the one with, with the Creator who put you here. And the stronger that relationship gets, it will add quality to your life. Not just spiritual but even the physical, because knowing that God is on my side. As he says in Romans 8, God is for us. Who can be against us? There is something very affirming, very encouraging, very comforting, very peaceable about knowing that God loves me.
I love the Bible. Oh, I love the Bible. You folks know that? Amen, you know that? I love the Bible. It tells me all about this wonderful God that we have. It tells me about how he sent his son, this human manifestation of himself, to declare God to us so we could know him. But if all you've done is read the Bible, the most you can say is you know about God. Can I say this, that the Bible is the foundation lays the groundwork so you can know who you're talking to. But then prayer takes you deeper into a personal, in a, in a personal relationship. And the more time you spend in that garden, in that quiet place, in that prayer closet, getting to know God, spending time around Him, listen, listening to Him whisper in your ear, here I am. That's what he said in Isaiah 58, isn't it, Vincent? Isn't that what he said? He said, you fast, you pray, I'll show up and say, here I am. Oh, man, that's what I want. I want God to show up and say, here I am. You might be sick, you might be struggling. Maybe it's cancer, maybe it's debt, maybe it's divorce. When God shows up and says, here I am, there's just something about that that lifts the spirit. It lifts your spirit. Let me show you something in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18. We all need that. You need it from friends and family. Don't get me wrong. You need that from God. The Bible will start the relationship, but prayer is what's going to keep it going. It's going to deepen it. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 14. Proverbs 18, verse 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his what? His infirmity. Do you see that? That's a physical sickness he's talking about there. Some sort of short physical ailment you have. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit who can bear? That's why you see people when they get depressed or they get their feelings hurt, it affects them physically. All of a sudden they get stressed out and the migraines hit and their stomach is in knots and it affects you physically. But when the spirit of a man is like a well-watered garden and when you as an individual are filled with the Holy Spirit, even though there might be infirmities, you can bear it. Do you see how it can help you physically? I'm not saying it will always eliminate the disease. You might stay sick, but it will help you physically and spiritually. The closer you get to God, the more encouragement you find for your spirit. Come to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40 and verse number 5. Have you ever had somebody send you a message seemingly out of nowhere it says I'm thinking about you praying for you 
Love you, brother. You're special to me. Anybody ever done that for you? I'll tell you what, I, I don't know what it is. I'd have to say it's God. Those messages seem to show up right when I need it most. Isn't that how it works? Boy, I like that. I like that. God doesn't communicate via WhatsApp. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if he did? If you could send your prayer request up by WhatsApp and then if you saw it was double blue, okay. <laughs> he heard it. He heard it. <laughs> I could just see his status, you know, waiting for you. <laughs> Psalm 40, verse 5. L look at what David wrote. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful, wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. God, listen, God had been telling David, I'm thinking about you. He said, Many, O Lord my God, are thy thoughts which are to usward. He's thinking about you. Look what else he said at the end. They, those thoughts, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. He says, I can't even count how many times you've thought about me. He said, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. That's comforting. I don't care what you're going through, what physical sickness you're dealing with, when you know that God is thinking about you, He's aware of what you're going through, He's right there for you, that helps in every way, physical and spiritual. On this note, I, I want to, while you're in Psalm, can I show you a verse real quick, Psalm 42, verse 5? I, I'm going to give you a string of verses, we're going to move quickly through them, we're almost done. But I, I want to focus in on that word or on this word quiet just for a moment because when you pray, when you go into that prayer closet, now this is what Jesus said, but thou when thou prayest enter into thy closet, shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret and he'll reward thee openly, right? That, that, that's, Jesus said go into the closet. Why? That closet, not where you keep your clothes, amen, don't worry. There ain't no space in there, I know. A closet is a closed space. Go into a private place where it can be quiet. So why do I need quiet? The Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 19, God will speak in a still, small voice. And if you're not in a quiet place, you might just miss it. Did you know that there's... Science that proves having some quiet time helps you physically. This article is not written by a Christian. But this person writes, I'm just going to read a couple lines of it. They talked about going on an airplane and, and this person bought some noise-canceling earphones. They said, not only did I get more work done, but I also felt calmer and more energetic when I stepped off the plane. First time they did, all the noise got canceled out. They were able to focus on what they were doing. And when they got off the plane, they felt more relaxed, even though they'd been working the whole time. Some amazing studies have been done on the detrimental effects of noise and the benefits of a little peace and quiet. Does Pachastrum need this or what? 
I live right by that trim park. Man, they, that music, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. I feel like it's replacing my heartbeat. I'm serious. I can't sleep at night because boom, 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 boom. I'm, my heart wants to keep up with that. Shut the music off. Sorry. I pray for torrential rain whenever those... Th- I do, I do. I pray for ESCOM to load shed. I pray for all sorts. I, I knew there was medical science to back up my position. I knew it. This person says in an Italian study from 2013, something as ubiquitous as the ringing of a subject's cell phone had the power to cause a spike in their blood pressure. You know that's true. That phone, the ding, ping, whatever that noise is. <gasps> oh, I gotta go see what it is. Freaks you out. Being surrounded by noise affects how well we remember things too. Another study found that in a noisy environment, say like a crowded restaurant, short-term memory can become overloaded because the brain circuitry that, pr- that processes recall as well as speech is the same one that handles noise. There's just too much coming in. Your brain can't process it. It just shuts down after a certain point. Quiet does, doesn't just enhance mental focus and happiness. If you're constantly distracted by the TV in the background and the sound of your phone vibrating against the table, you miss out on the tiny moments throughout the day when your brain could be off-duty. Lose those moments... And you also lose the chance to process and integrate things you've learned, heard, or done like a belly laugh shared with a coworker or an insight you had during your morning shower. You understand what they're saying? Take some time, calm down, find a quiet space and let it process. Let it sink in. He said, by giving my brain the chance to focus and reflect, I find that I'm making healthier decisions in every way. I'm also less stressed and more likely to keep up positive, healthy habits. Just, just by, he said, just making five minutes a day for quiet time. So, I could preach to you now about all the benefits of prayer, right? Talking to God. I want to give you the physical side of it. You get into that prayer closet, shut the door, let everything be quiet for a minute. And just listen in for the voice of God. It'll help you physically. Let me show you some benefits to the quiet, real quick. Psalm 42, verse 5. David is depressed. Here's what he says. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? (laughs) Depressed people talk to themselves a lot. (laughs) Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou, what, disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I'm going to seek his face, and when I see his face, I'll feel much better. But the problem was, he was disquieted. He had a noisy soul, if you will. Come back just a few pages, get judges. I just want to show you a handful of verses. I promise we'll not take long. Judges chapter 8. You guys know your Bible well, so we'll find these quickly. Judges 8, verse 28. I want to show you the importance of quiet. Judges 8, verse 28. 
Judges 8, 28. We're just looking at this word quiet. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted up their heads no more and the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. Do you see how quietness is a good thing? They were under the oppressive rule of the Gentiles. God's given them deliverance and now they're enjoying quietness. That's a good thing in the Bible. 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 11. Just move to the right a little bit in your Bible. 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 20. We read here about a lady named Athaliah. She's like the wicked witch of the West. She was, she was a wreck, man. She messed everything up. 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 20. And all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was in quiet. And they slew Athaliah with the sword beside the king's house. They got rid of this, this wicked woman, and now the city was in quiet. Peace and quiet. Bible's all for that. First Chronicles chapter 22. First Chronicles chapter 22. Verse number 9. 1 Chronicles 22, verse 9. Just the next book to the right. 1 Chronicles 22, verse 9. He says, Behold, a son shall be born to thee. This is God speaking to David. Who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon. The name Solomon means peace. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. Do you see how quietness is a good thing? It's a reward from God. Do you see that? It's, I said it's a reward. Enter into the closet, pray to the Father in secret, he will reward thee openly. Get uh, Job chapter 21. Job 21. right before Psalms. Job 21, verse 23. Job is answering one of his so-called friends here. We're just looking at the use of the word quiet. He says, One dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease, completely at ease, and quiet. I want you to make this connection. Do you see how full strength, full strength is connected to having that quietness. Do you see that? Somebody who is at ease and quiet, they are at full strength because they had some quiet time. They had some quiet time. Look at what, one last place, Psalm 131. Psalm 131. Now I've already mentioned that prayer closet you need to go into. Guys, please, when you go into the prayer closet, don't take your phone with you. There's, all, there's a time when you enter into prayer, maybe you have friends with you. Right? If it's a prayer meeting, of course, it's not going to be as quiet. But there needs to be individual time where you get alone with God and pray, and that quiet time helps you spiritually, helps you physically. But you have to take it upon yourself to find that quiet space. Look, look at this verse. Psalm 131, verse 2. David says, Surely I have behaved and quieted 
myself. Watch this next thing. As a child that is weaned of his mother. Do you know what the age was for weaning the child in Israel? Just a little older than two. A few months older than two years old. By the age of two, that child should know how to sit down and be quiet by himself. Amen. You say, Brother Mike, it's a miracle. No, it's biblical. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. Watch this next thing. My soul is even as a weaned child. I don't have to have somebody else dragging me into the prayer closet, kicking and screaming against my will. I'm grown enough. I know it's important. I will lock myself in the prayer closet and spend as much time as I need in the quietness of the presence of God. And that's one of the most amazing things. When you shut the door to the prayer closet, at the same time you've opened the door to the throne room of God. When you close your eyes, you're expecting darkness. But when you close, to, when you close your eyes to pray, you see the brightest light the universe has ever known. A light that no man can approach unto, but you find yourself approaching it. And there's something exhilarating, there's something peaceful, there's something calming. You need that in your soul, you need that in your body. Guys, we're just too busy. We lead noisy lives. There's so many voices. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, there are so many voices in this world. And none of them without signification. They all have something to say. And we need to go to a place where all those voices are quiet. And we hear just one. The voice of our great shepherd saying, here I am. And all of a sudden that wounded spirit can get healed. And that will help you sustain the infirmity. And who knows, it might even just help you physically. The Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Do we all know that verse? Psalm 91? You've heard that before. He that dwelleth in the secret place. You folks help me out. This is an interactive Bible study now. What do you think that secret place is? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Where do you think we'll find that secret place? Wherever you lock the door. Jesus told us where the secret place was. Now it's not so secret. He told us where to find it. It's wherever you decide to get alone and quiet with God. He that dwelleth, not passes through, dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What's happening? Watch this. You go in, lock the door, pray to the Father in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. How so? As you walk out of the prayer closet, you can feel his shadowing wing covering you. His presence goes with you as you step out of the prayer closet. He doesn't just say, here I am. He says, here I am, 
and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I will be right there saying, this is the way, walk ye in it to the right hand or to the left. Guys, I know we're talking about biblical body care. Fasting can help. Quiet time, being alone for a while can physically help. Wow, can this help in so many other ways. We need to tap into this. We need to practice this. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And as you close your eyes, I want you to get a glimpse of that light of God. Right where you're at. You need to recognize that as soon as you start to pray, you have entered into the throne room of God. You have resorted thither. You can go and be repaired. We lead such busy lives. We've forgotten what it feels like, what it sounds like to shut off all the appliances, all the technology and just listen for the still small voice of God. You see, what I'm giving you is not just a health lesson. I'm trying to acknowledge that you're more than just a body. You saw it tonight. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Minister to the spirit, it helps the flesh. Adam would meet with God in the cool of the day. Why, why the cool of the day? Work is done. Sun's gone down. Now you can just sit down and rest a while. Peace and quiet. So, Brother Mike, I've never fasted. I, I wouldn't mind giving it a try. You need some help, you let me know. Some of you want to arrange a time to fast and pray together? You let me know. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people in this church that would be happy to join you in that. I know that not everybody can, can fast. Some people have to eat. I, I get that. I understand that. But you can all pray. Caleb, if you would, just turn something on quietly. Just for a, We're just going to take another moment or two, not long, maybe a minute. Just give you a chance to let this sink in.
Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the sweetness of your presence. Lord, thank you for giving us a place where we can resort. We can get repaired. Lord, where we can rest. We can be helped in every way imaginable. God, help us. Please help us. The cares of this world, the entanglements of this life. Lord, help us daily to break away from it all and spend time with You to seek Your face, to engage with You, to commune with You, to have that strong relationship that will keep us happy and healthy. Lord, thank You for so many sweet hours of prayer. Would You bless us with more? Please, God, teach us more about prayer. Help us this week, God, to seek Your face. Father, thank You tonight. Thank You for this day, for speaking to our hearts. Thank You for ministering to us. Thank You. Many, O Lord my God, are Thy thoughts which are to us word. We can't reckon them up. We can't count them, God. Thank You for thinking of us. Thank You for loving us. Oh God, help us never to take it for granted. Oh God, thank You. Thank You for the secret place. Thank You for the shadow of Your wings. Thank You, God, for a prayer closet. Thank You for a church that prays. Oh God, help us. Please, Father, dismiss us now with your blessing. And Lord, help us to come back. Come back to this prayer closet soon and speak to you again. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.